peace, peace. You know what it is. Shamir S-K-Y-Z-O-O Skazoo, live out the borough. And this is the NBA Exchange with my man Dexter Henry. You know how you doing it, man. Log on, tap in. Let's get into it. What's good, basketball fans? It's your guy Dexter Henry here with the NBA Exchange. Back with you another Wednesday, which means you know what time it is. NBA with nuance. Two playoff games last night. It's been nice. We've been getting a couple every other night. Two, you know, well, one game was not competitive. The other game, very entertaining. Stayed up a little bit late to watch that, but it was worth it. So I can't complain on that one. And see, last Wednesday, I was in a really good mood coming off my birthday just feeling relaxed feeling good don't don't know don't get worried this wednesday i'm still in a good mood and you know why i'm in a good mood it's not just because gerard hector is going to be joining me my man from true hoop it's also this is what i gotta talk to gerard about gerard should know why i'm in a good mood gerard <laughs> liverpool won yesterday they are in the champion league finals okay champions league you don't know nothing about that no, chill 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 chill, 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 you know, chill. excellence over here chill you know, ah. liverpool in the final and you know we, we we're coming to take this we might have four trophies this year we'll see what, what's popping with that we got a shot at it We'll listen, see. listen, I know plenty about Champions League finals, okay? Plenty of the teams that I've rooted for have won plenty of Champions League, Champions League finals did, over did the years. Did you hear that, folks? Did you hear that? <laughs> That's the right. teams he's rooted for. That's right. Ready because jumped from yeah, yeah, yeah. player to player. Correct, correct. <laughs> I told you this story before. My aunt, shout out to my aunt, uh, she is the best because every playoffs, I ask her, yo, what's up with you? She's like, you know how I do. Whoever's winning the title, that's who I roll with. I'm like, she's like, I'm roll, I'm rolling with winners here. <laughs> and so, guess what? Every every June, she's happy. She don't be sad in the summertime, worrying about oh my teammate this much. She winning, so she knows. She's like, hey, I'm moving. And it was the Jordan years in the in in, in the in the 90s. She went on to Kobe and Shaq. Then right, she went Duncan and she went to LeBron. She, she goes where the winners are. And I'm like, listen, I respect your hustle because you know what? You're not mad at the end of. So I'm not gonna be mad. So it's all good. I mean, but you ain't got no winners in the Champions League finals. So you know, you could be mad. I mean, I could, right? I could be mad. But <laughs> not I, saying you should live your life like that. But you, you got me. <laughs> but 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 as I said to you, I was like, you know, everyone knows I'm a CR7 guy. He's gonna retire at some point. So I mean, I, I might roll back to Real Madrid, especially if we get Mbappe this summer. I'm Wait, hold on, hold on. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, if you with the winners, why don't you just come to Liverpool? And ju- why, like, if you're really about that life, why don't you just come bring some of that energy over here? I'm just, that's all I'm saying. I, I mean, you know, I might rock with y'all. I might rock mm. with y'all for a season. We'll mm. see what's up. Let, let, let's find out what his bias is against Liverpool. We'll have to discuss that another time. We'll have to discuss. It doesn't matter. Gerard's not going to bring me down. I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood. How you? How you doing, brother? How you doing? I'm good, man. But shout out to Liverpool, seriously, though. Um, they, they've had a hell of a run the last few years here. Yeah. Um, one, you know, probably the best club team in, 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 the, in the world the last few years, I'd say. So shout out to Liverpool, man. They're doing the thing. All right, here we go. See, see Gerard, Gerard could be nice and, and give you love. Unlike our boy Brian Fonseca, who will never do that unless you give love to the Heat. He won't do that at all. All right, but we got some, we got some good stuff to talk about uh, today. The games last night, interesting. The Celtics, they bounced back in a major way destroying the Milwaukee Bucks at home. 
I didn't see this coming. I. Um, I watched. I think I watched a bit of your. I did watch a bit of the betting show you and uh, Jenna did yesterday. Our homie Jenna Lemoncelli. I watched some of that, and I think you were on. You were like take the take the bucks, and I, I was. was with you on that yeah. too. Yeah, uh, that wasn't right. Gerard did win you money elsewhere, in case you mm-hmm. were wondering. But um, were you surprised at how much of a beatdown this was? Because I was. I kind of was. Um, and you know, look, the the it wasn't so much because of the Celtics defense. Like I know their defense is excellent. I guess I was more surprised at how good they were offensively at carving up what the Bucks were doing, and they shot it extremely well from three. Look, we know that Budden holders are gonna give you that. They're gonna give you threes. That's that's what their defense allows. And their thing is Boston, you are 36% shooting three-point team. We'll live with that. Well, they shot better than 36% last night. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that hurt them. Brown and, I mean, Brown in particular. And that, this is the playoffs. I mean, you don't overreact over one game. But, I mean, I would say he went like nine for ten his first ten shots. I'd say like, I don't know, at least five of those shots were tough contests with hand Hit them anyway. And it's like, yo, sometimes that shit happens. Like, and you're going you're gonna to lose, you know? And so... Again, this is not to take away from what the Celtics did. They played extremely excellent defense again, and they executed on offense. They moved the ball. I thought, Dexter, there were moments in that game where it looked like the Celtics were playing six on five on the floor. I'm like, damn, why do you see many always got somebody wide open? And it, and it was the ball movement, man. They were, they were excellent at that last night. They were excellent moving the ball. Jalen Brown was cooking in the first quarter. Uh, they, they looked really good last night, and it's, it's a series once again, and this is why Brian always says, you can't overreact to game one. Crazy shit happens in game one. He is right about that. But uh, it's a series again. And again, I'm not going to jump off the ledge here and say Milwaukee's out of it because I think they can bring some of that physicality and regroup, especially at home. Uh, their role players didn't play good last night, as I think you might have expected uh, there. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. We were wrong on that. I thought it could be a nice uh, upset for the road yeah. well, the teams that were down i thought the yeah. underdogs would win last night i tried a little parlay with that that did not go well for me uh but yeah that was that now the I, grizzlies go ahead i'm sorry well, I, I was gonna say i thought that um the marcus smart injury would hurt boston more than it did yeah. and it didn't uh they were and you know grant williams man yo that dude he built like a fire a fire hydrant man like he's just like you ain't moving him He's shooting what seemed like 45%, 50% on corner yep. three. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, all right, well, they're doing that. They're going to be real hard to beat. Yeah, he's shooting, like you said, 45% on corner threes, 40%, I think, overall on threes. He's He's been good. And I think people have been waiting, like, oh, when's the shooting for Grant Williams coming down? It ain't. It's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it look like it is. It's not. It, look, it looks good. Celtics fans, Celtics Nation, they're hyped again. Okay, you're Grizzlies. Uh, they want us some money, but I wasn't happy with one of your players. I wasn't happy with Mr. Triple J. He got off to a good start in this game, so I don't want to kill him. And then he got in foul trouble, and then he did couldn't hit any shots. And I took, I took a listen. I took this prop. It was Triple J, fifteen or more points, and the Grizzlies win. And it was like I don't know, it was plus two sixty five yeah. or something. Yeah. Pretty nice. Then I also took Triple J for a double double. And he finished with 12 and 7. Yeah. I was, probably, I was asking for too much with the rebounds. The, the, well, no, no, the rebounds are – because if he had he sit on the floor, he'd been fine, especially in this series. Look – And it, I think I think this series is a good matchup for him to play well. It is. Well. It yeah. is. It's just, look, the, the, the numbers say it. When Tripp is on the floor, the Warriors do not score at the rim, and, and the Grizzlies are excellent. When he is off the floor, it's a different story. And – Listen, this is the next evolution in his development as a player. I mean, he's only 22 years old. 
He's yep. super young. He's younger than John Morant, actually, believe it or not. Um, th- this is this is what we saw in game one. That is what I believe the ceiling on him is. An elite defender who can also give you 30 points a night if needed, right? I think a 20-something point per game score, defense, right? That's the whole Tim Duncan 2.0 thing I was I was talking about, right? The modern-day <laughs> stretch five right. uh, or stretch four. Yo, these fouls. And it's the, the ones that drive me nuts, Dexter, are the silly ticky-tack. It's like, Doug, you already got two. Why are you putting yourself in this scenario and situation to get this one? On, on the sixth one, Draymond 100% baited him into that one. But... But I will also call out John Morant. When that, back, that when that back pick was there, you got to yell out, yo, back pick, to allow him to either circumvent, move around, whatever, to not run into Draymond Green on that one. But be that as it may, he is foul prone. He is. Now, it's funny. You brought up uh, the fact about his rim protection and how you even saw where he was able to play a lot of minutes in game one. He gets off the floor in game two. I think if you kind of look at it in this game and tell me if I'm wrong – we can laud how John Morant played in this contest, 45 points, playoff career high, hit some big three-pointers, and I, and I thought actually took some smart ones when he was given the space down the stretch. But no Triple J on the floor for stretches. You talk about it after you picked up a sixth foul, and the Warriors were getting to the rim. You saw Steph with some great finishes, Jordan Poole with some great finishes uh, there. They still were able to get to the rim, and you you now maybe you wonder if you're a Grizzlies fan, hey, Triple J is on the floor a little bit more. Maybe this is a eight, ten-point win. Maybe we uh, maybe this isn't so close down the stretch. Uh, what did you take else from this Grizzlies win? I mean, it's a good win for the Grizzlies. They're back in the series. But any other takeaways from this one? Uh, this is a tough team, Dexter. All year they've bounced back from losses. And I said, look, this is the, 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 the maturation process for this team. The Warriors are the better squad, right? Like, you you, you can see that. The, the, I know the, the Grizzlies' record was better, but the Warriors missed Steph and Draymond for large chunks towards the end of the season, and that hurt them uh, down, down the line. Now, Grizzlies don't need to apologize for that. They missed John Moran, and they went 20-2 and two in those games. So, is what it is, right? But the, the championship know-how of the Warriors that we talked about and that corporate knowledge is something that's tough to overcome. But what I love about this team is they battle, Right. It's easy to when the Warriors go on a run, they go up eight nine to be like ah right and hang your head and mm-hmm. but they're dogs, man. He's like nah, we next possession and Ja embodies that, right? I mean, you see it. He he he. I mean, he said it after game one. They can't guard me, right? Like he just and, and he has that level of confidence and 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 fire that breathes spirit to the rest of the team. And I think that this this squad is excellent. I think they adjust well and killer. Jenkins is doing some interesting things. This is all part part and parcel for them. Reference points. You talk about it all the time. Guys like Chris Paul, Steph Curry, and all these experienced playoff veterans, Dexter, David Thorpe, and I like to say they're supercomputers, right? Because mm-hmm. they have so many reference points they can access in their computer brains to analyze every situation. Well, yo, John and these guys, they ain't supercomputers yet. They don't, they don't have that many reference right. points to go to. So these are all reference points and building blocks for them. Yeah, and I think um, last night is a great building block for them, even if they go on to not win the series. I know you and I both predict them to lose in six, but it's a great learning point. Even their fight, because they lost the lead, they came back, they still were able to execute it out. But also learning, you're right, learning from the Warriors that they don't ever give up. And I thought even the Warriors, they they fought through. Um, they had some moments where they didn't look good, but they fought through. And I'm really intrigued to see what this is like. Uh, going back to the Bay. Now, to me, if the Grizzlies can go get one in the Bay mm-hmm. and we come back and this is a best of three series, which is what I would like for this series. Mm-hmm. And I would like for the Grizzlies because that means they get to play 
big time game five at home mm-hmm. and potentially a big time game six on the road, no matter how those that game five goes. Mm-hmm. I want to see that for that team. Mm-hmm. I think being in that kind of situation, mm-hmm. it's people are gonna say, Oh, well, they had the you know the game five in you know at home against Minnesota. Right. Different level of competition. Here, no doubt. Okay. No doubt. Different level of competition. We'll see how they do against that. And it's a good test for this young team. So I'm, I'm excited to see, but we need Triple J. We need yeah, man. Stay yeah. on the floor, bro. Yeah, Stay man. Stay on the floor, please. <laughs> Stay on the floor. Uh, all right. We want to talk today. Gerard brought up the fact that depth, uh, bench play in the playoffs, along with rotations. This is something I kind of touched upon with Brian with the Heat. Um, I think it's very important to have it. But Gerard, you've been watching basketball for a long time, just like me. What's the thing you used to hear a lot growing up around basketball? Oh, well, <laughs> the playoffs. rotations in the playoffs, right? You're only going to play 7-8 deep. And I remember, I credit my dad. My dad always used to be like, why? Like, why are we why? doing that? Why not play more people? Why not have people have more opportunities? But people are always going to say, well, you want to play your best players. That's the other argument. And this is why you want to tighten the rotations. We'll get to the rotations in a sec. But how important is it to have depth in the playoffs, right? Or establishing that depth before you get to the playoffs, which is something you were talking about all year long with the Brooklyn Nets and playing some young guys and getting them ready. What good is the depth if you ain't going to use it when it matters, right? We can say how important it is, but what how, what good is it if you don't use it when it matters? So how important is it at this time of the year, particularly later in the playoffs in the second round and beyond? It's huge. I mean, this is how you build teams, right? And again, shout out to your dad. Shout out to Coach Thorpe. We talk about this all the time. Why should you only play seven guys? Now, I know why. It's because the incentives that we have designed around this are wrong. And when I say incentives, I mean is this. If a team loses in the playoffs and player, the best player on the team only plays 30-something minutes, he's going to get killed in the media and on talk radio and on the news the next day about, well, why didn't so-and-so play 48 minutes, right? Because we have this weirdo hero complex in this country when we think about sports is, well, you, die, you go down swinging with your best guy. And there is something to that. But, yo, these dudes are human. 48 playoff minutes is a lot of basketball. We saw what, like, again, we saw that last season, Dex, with the Brooklyn Nets, right? Mm-hmm. What, what did everybody say coming out of that series? Oh, man, Kevin Durant da, 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 did his thing. Notice who got the skate in that, uh, in that playoff series. Steve Nash. Why? Because, oh, well, he went, he went down swinging with his best guy. He played 48 minutes the last three games. He was down. Okay, but maybe it could have been better if you did something a little bit differently. And the Miami Heat and the Memphis Grizzlies and teams like that play. The, I mean, the Grizzlies, Zaire Williams didn't play at all in game one because he was it's back in game two because that's what Taylor Jenkins has done all season long. It's, it's this idea too, Dexter, right? I know it's different and we all know it's different and the players know it's different. But when you start changing things and making it, oh, because the players, we got to do something. No, well, if it's been working for you here, just carry it over. Of course, your attention to detail and all that needs to be at a higher level. But if we're used to going 10 deep, why are we stopping going 10 deep now? Right. Like, yeah, identify matchups and do whatever you need to do. But this is what happens. The other reason why uh, depth is important, Dexter, and playing these guys all year matters. Injuries are going to happen. We know that. I mean, we see it already. And when you have guys get injured and they're not used to stepping into playing, all of a sudden you say, hey, I know you haven't played all season long, but now I need you to play 25 minutes in the most high leverage game of the entire season. What do you think is going to happen? Nothing good for you. Like, I mean. <laughs> yeah, but you know what's funny? I- I'm glad you brought up uh, Zaya Williams because I watched him play last night, and I was like, you know, my reaction was like, oh, shit, Taylor Jenkins is playing him. 
and not to the point that he had been doing it all year. Mm-hmm. And you, Taylor Jenkins has been doing this all year. And I'm glad you brought up Taylor Jenkins too, because he has shown me already through two playoff series in this playoff run that he is willing to mix and match and adapt his lineup. And I, I do want to actually talk about the ad- adaptability mm-hmm. in this that a lot of coaches don't seem to do. And I think the reason I'm shocked at it, or my initial feeling was shock, is that this isn't what we've seen all along as I've talked about. Coaches have, have stuck to this. Coaches are not generally willing to do what Taylor Jenkins does. Or we can even go to the other side. Steve Kerr mm-hmm. has done. He starts Gary Payton in game mm-hmm. one. Gary Payton mm-hmm. is in game one, right? And says, hey, I need to get a defensive guy on the floor out here and switch things up in a, in a certain way. That he's willing to do, willing to do that. We'll, we'll, we'll hold on to that and get to that. Because I just think it's – you get used to seeing something – so much you're just like oh wow people are actually doing what they should do and think outside the box that is nice but which teams is it the is it the grizzlies brian i brought up the heat which teams do you think have the strongest benches right now uh because they go deep into their bench and can do this in the playoffs i think the grizzlies i think the heat these are all strong bench teams i also like phoenix um because again they, they they run they run deep in their bench you get you, you get big minutes uh from their reserves I also like the optionality that Golden State has. Now, Kerr probably doesn't play Kaminga enough. Um, and as someone who's rooting for the Grizzlies, that's fine by me. Please don't play Kaminga. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Um, but it's, you know, Dexter, part of it for you too is that I mean, you got PTSD. Your, your head coach is Tom Thibodeau, who ain't never trying to play no, 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 no rookies or young kids. And here's the problem in the playoffs. And Taylor Jenkins said this after the game last night. You know, the best learning reference for rookies and our young guys is playing time. Coach Thorpe says it all the time on Troop. Shout out to Coach Thorpe. Playing to yo, you can drill as much as you want to, but yo, live game action and those reference points to go back to it are huge. Now, of course, your fear is they're going to fuck up and make a mistake. Actually, they will. Like it's going to happen. They're going to make mistakes. Shit, veterans make mistakes all the time. It's not just rookies and young guys. Everyone makes mistakes. But the idea is, and we talk about Royal Jelly. There has to be an environment where you are free and comfortable to make mistakes once you mm. learn, because then it's not going to stop you from trying and doing what is necessary to be good. Look, the Grizzlies likely are not going to win a championship this year because they're just not ready. But I bet these reference points for Zaire Williams, Xavier Tillman, and Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant, two years from now, a year from now, three years from now, guess what? I bet you all these lumps are taken now will matter then. I also think you brought up another good point in terms of like you have to have that culture, right? We talked about the Royal Jelly. You have to have that culture around. If you're a coach and you're like, man, I got to win and I got to get all these wins because if I don't, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired. And I get that. Like that pressure is real. Like we're not saying that pressure is real. But if you have a culture, I think like what Gerard is talking about, that then fosters an environment where you don't necessarily have to worry about that. Not worry about it all, but not worry about it as much. Because the people here are about letting you grow. As we know, and Gerard talks about with the Royal Jelly, it's written about most cultures, companies, organizations, even outside of basketball, do not allow for that. Think nope. about where you work yeah. and ask yourself, does that place really let you grow? grow? Think about some of the other places you've worked. Has that place let you grow? I've worked at some of these places, <laughs> terrible organizations, and this is why they are where they are. Now, we talked about the teams that are good, but there's teams that ain't got no depth. They got no bench. And 
it's a concern. And if we can laud the teams that we talked about and how well it bodes for them in second round and beyond, what about the teams that are here that it's like, oh, they probably can't really go further because they don't have the depth. Any teams that concern you right now in the second round that just don't have that depth, Gerard? I mean, obviously Philly and Dallas come come to mind immediately, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, Jesus. I mean, look, and again, they're missing Joel Embiid, so I get that. But, yo, I mean, <laughs> what are we doing? I mean, Cork Moss getting dusted off the bench, uh, off the <laughs> shelf. I mean, it's it's problematic. And But this is the problem, again, Dexter, when you go to a top-heavy system with maximum – look, you need max guys to win. Everyone knows that. You're not winning a championship without max guys. That, that's just the reality of the situation. But if you look at a team like Golden State, for example, right? So Steph is a max guy. Clay is a max guy. Draymond, not a max guy, right? And they had some luck in there where they got injured. They were able to get a guy like Jordan Poole, 28th in the draft. He is playing like a $25, $30 million a year player, but they ain't paying him that much. You look at the Phoenix Suns. They got two max guys, right, in Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton and and, and, uh, Devin Booker. Mikael Bridges, four years, $90 million. He's an elite two-way player. You see, team building, yes, stars matter, but so too does depth, right? And I think we're seeing a situation, Dexter, where, because again, not to keep banging the Brooklyn Nets, but... When you have three max guys, right, and that eats up 99% of your salary, that means you got a little bit of money left to fill out roster spots 12 through 15. Well, you can't do a whole lot then, right? I mean, it just doesn't. And, and so if anything happens to one of those dudes, like it did, or they don't want to show up to work, well, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, but here, but you know what the thing about that, Gerard, is because you and I have been talking about this for more, almost a year of doing this show, and we've talked about it in other conversations. And now I'm starting to wonder, particularly going into this offseason, particularly what happened with the Brooklyn Nets, particularly what we're talking about here where we're watching teams in the playoffs. Okay, are people starting to realize this? Is the league starting to catch up this? Or is it what you always bring up to? It's like only the good organizations are seeing this. How is this not now? It feels like it's right there. Yeah, It feels like it's there for you to see and be like, okay, everybody should get on this way. It's it's all in front of your face, Dexter, but the incentives and the organizations are not structured correctly. Look at it. Look at an organization like Sacramento. They're going on there like what fifth head coach, third uh, front office. It's like, Oh, and when those things don't align, everybody's worried about just keeping their job. So that means we're going to do quick band-aid fixes. Meanwhile, we got holes all over this dam, but we're putting band-aids on it. Cause that, that's all, that's all we can do because I'm trying not to get fired. But the, those teams we talked about Miami, the culture, hashtag heat culture, shout out to Brian Fonseca. But Spo is the guy, right? Andy Ellsberg and Pat Ryan, that's the brain trust. They ain't moving off that. So we're going to do what we do, and you're either going to fit in or we're going to find people that do. In Golden State, right? Bob Myers, this is how we do things here. You ain't going to roll like that. We'll see you later. Memphis, that's what it's Zach Kleiman, Taylor Jenkins. This is our organizational ethos. The San Antonio Spurs for all those years, when you have stability, you say, no, 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 this is how we do things. And we're going to find players that fit and want to do that. If you don't want to roll that way, well, you can go somewhere else. And the thing is, no one in those places is looking over their shoulders, worried about, am I going to have a job? Am I going to have a job? Am I going to have a job? When mm-hmm. that's your mindset, you ain't got no time to think about no culture and royal jelly and all things you need to win. <laughs> You're just out here like, damn, I hope I don't get fired tomorrow. And <laughs> yeah, it's self-preservation. That's, that's, yes. that's what it ends up all being about, the self-preservation there. So I, I think we've kind of answered this next question. I know how you and I feel about this. But are shorter or longer rotations better for teams 
in the postseason because you always have the school of thought, well, it's like play your best players, play your eight, seven, eight best players, but you're saying, hey, if you play a little bit more, maybe you stretch it out to nine, if you stretch it out to ten, maybe players are more refreshed. I mean, let's not even get to the rest thing that people seem to oh. go out of, too. Uh, so so what's, what's better? Because you know people will push back on the other end, Gerard, and say, nah, man, but you got to have your best players out there as much as you can in these crit- critical minutes in the postseason. What, what do you say to that, and which one is better? I think longer rotations are better, again, because it gives your other players reference points and opportunities to play where they can – you learn best by playing and doing. So you, so you have these, these moments you can go back to. Ah, remember in game three when I lost Steph on that back cut? and re- Next time, oh, no, I know what they're doing here. I'm not going to make that mistake. It is so much – and it preserves your players, right? Listen, I get it. Everybody loves the idea of 48 minutes, warrior, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, do you want to do that? I'm going to go back to last year's playoffs again, Dexter. And this ties into mm-hmm. the long, the longer postseason. And this is something interesting. Coach Thorpe and actually Henry said, what if the Nets did this? So when the, the Nets won uh, game five and Durant was sensational and he played 40 whatever minutes. Well, I think he played the entire game. Henry was like, you know, that's a lot of minutes Durant played. You're probably losing game six anyway. Why don't you just sit him in game six, get that extra day of rest, come back game seven, get a fresher Durant for game seven. Maybe your fresher Durant knows where his foot is. There was a guy the foot, the foot. You know where that, why, where that foot was there? He was dog tired. Kevin Durant knows where every inch of the floor is and where he's supposed to be. That was exhaustion, right? That, that's what that was. A little fresher Durant, is he perhaps an inch or two behind that line? Probably, right? Is he more springy? Is he whatever? You have to think about the long game, right? These, these aren't robots. They don't just come out here and they can just put them 48 minutes and they just do whatever. It is so important. And one day a coach is going to be, smart enough and again it ties back into the organization he's going to have the backing of the organization that no matter what talk radio and the media say about oh i can't believe you did x y and z it's fine he ain't losing his job some team is going to do that and then people are going to realize wow that's actually smart and smart way to do it's like yeah well you know more players that's interesting regarding last year game five against the bucks um because i was in the building for that as you were too as was i yeah we both Mm -hmm. were in the building for that and i remember at some point in that game being like damn uh, Durant's not going to bench. What he only sat for like what a minute and thirty seconds, Maybe, like yeah. forty-seven or forty-six yeah. and a half minutes ton, in that game on both ends too. He was oh, incredible that right. game. And to your point, there's a toll to that, right? It, particularly, particularly when you had a team like they did, which was literally trying to do this all around one superstar. I know James Harden was there. He was hobbled, and he's never been the same. Mm-hmm. We know that, but yes. Maybe saying, hey, rest it. The, the problem is people in the media, and you're right, are mm-hmm. going to be like, oh, well, you ain't even trying to win game six. You're out here just mm-hmm. throwing the game. You know what I mean? Instead of, like you said, well, we're trying to optimize the best way we can mm-hmm. play. Because you're likely going to lose game six anyway. Like, you've got to play the right. odds. The odds are you're going to lose game six anyway. Like, right. so, I mean, I, I, the league isn't going to want it, and no. they aren't going to like mm-hmm. it. No, of course not. People get injured and sit out all the time. People, mm-hmm. I think people will get over it, and it'll be fine. Here's my other thing with that, right? So we can talk. I, I'm with you. I think the longer rotations are better in the postseason. But flexibility matters too here. And coaches can have longer rotations and can be rigid in those longer rotations. Or they can have shorter rotations and still be rigid in those rotations. So the, the value, I think, is also within coaches saying, okay, I can change this. I can do this. Look at the Memphis Grizzlies. First round, Steven Adams does not play because it's a 
horrible matchup for him mm-hmm. and the Grizzlies going up against Carl Anthony Towns and having him guard. They needed to be quicker. So you saw Xavier Tillman play. You see Triple J mm-hmm. uh, getting some minutes at center and also playing at the four. You see the same thing in this round uh, with the flexibility. We talked about Zaire Williams as well. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to lengthen your rotation. It's another thing for coaches to have, and I hate to put it this way, you have to have the guts because of all the stuff you mentioned before to actually have flexibility within that. Do you think we're trending more to that way where coaches are saying, okay, we have to, or, or is it still just a select few on this end as well too? Yeah, I, I think it's limited. I think it's a select few coaches who have, again, who aren't worried about job security. Look, what do the playoffs do? I always say that it highlights your weakness, right? And everyone hunts for your weakness in the playoffs, right? When there's certain guys on the floor, it's, oh, no, let's, let's get that guy. We're trying to get on to him, right? I mean, for, with John Morant, when they're trying to, ooh, can we get him on the Steph? Can we get him on the Jordan Poole, right? Like, whoever's on the floor that is that weak link defensively, that's who they want to screen screen him onto. So coaches, you know, are only limited in what they can do, right? Because some guys just, you know, they're, they're problems for you. However, if you work on player development, right, which is a huge part of this, and organizationally, if that's part of your culture, you will teach guys to be better defenders. Look, so much about defense is about effort, right? Because I'm picking on that side of the ball because that's why people hunt. You got to have good technique. You got to have good scheme. But you got to just want to, right? Like, some people, you got to just want to give a crap on that end of the floor. And, you know, I, I, hit, I hit on Steph on that one. But, yo, in game one, Steph had those two clean strips on John Morant late in that game, right? Like, Steph competes and is a – he's not a negative defender. He is a plus defender. Now, in certain lineups, he may be the weakest of their defenders. But he ain't no, he's no turnstile, right? Just give an effort, man. And so I think for, for, for coaches, that's the other piece of it, right? Have your, have your guys have that instilled in them when they know to give the requisite effort and what is necessary. And again, that goes back to culture. That's what we talked about, right? It's, it's got to start from the top and from your best guys. It's going to be very interesting to me to see if cultures change, if more people finally awaken to this and say, hey, this is working for Memphis. This has worked for Miami. We've seen it work in San Antonio. Golden State, uh, the Raptors, uh, mm-hmm. Toronto, uh, to a degree. We should value mm-hmm. depth. We should value flexibility. It'll bode well for us in the not just long or long term, excuse me, in terms of looking at one postseason, but maybe future seasons and future postseasons down mm-hmm. the road as well, too. Absolutely. I think that's that's the other thing as well for, for people to look at. All right. Good discussion. We are going to take a quick break when we come back. I'm trying to win you some money. <laughs> Two games tonight. I got to do a little bit better than I did last night. We got the Gerard Guarantee going on. We'll talk about that NBA picks when we come back on NBA Exchange. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAEX. Prize picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep, that's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So, join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the Prize Picks app today. All right, guys, welcome back to the NBA Exchange. Picks today should be interesting. Uh, very, very, very interesting. 
we'll see it. We know if Brian Fonseca was here as he did on Monday. We know that uh, we know that he's going to uh, talk about you know his Heat winning. You know how he's going to bet. Uh, but we'll see if he can try to win y'all some money tonight. Two games, obviously Sixers Heat, and then we have Mavericks Suns. Uh, should be interesting. We will start with the Sixers and the Heat with the Miami Heat coming off a game on win. They are favored by eight points in this contest. Uh, nice line there. It pretty much tells you the odds makers think that the Heat should handle their business once again. They do not trust the offense of the Philadelphia Philadelphia 76ers. Excuse me. Gerard, uh, how are you betting this one? This one is uh, your face makes it seem like it. <laughs> you're not going with the underdog here. That's maybe what I'm thinking. Well, I mean, look, I'm not going with Philly, but I don't like that line only because Miami looked really bad in that second quarter um when when philadelphia went small and i just listen what worries me about miami still worries me today which is their half court offense now with the 76ers lack of defensive capabilities especially if they're going to be playing deandre jordan which doc Rivers said and i quote we like dj we don't care if you don't like him we're playing him i was like okay well <laughs> i mean listen good luck, with, good luck with that <laughs> I was like, uh, DeAndre Jordan ain't really, that ain't it. My God, that ain't hitting like you think. Like, I don't. Woo. So, you know, and if they're going to have D- DJ minutes out there, expect the, fee- the the heat to roast him and pick and roll and, you know, do their thing. So I'm going to go Miami, even though I don't love that line because of, I just, look, Philly's the kind of team to me that I think that can drop the rope really easily. And yes, Tyrese Maxey's good. Yes, Tobias Harris had a good game one. Uh, I don't expect George Niang to shoot 0 of 9 again or whatever he was. But look, this is about James Harden. And we know, you said it last segment, Dexter, James Harden has not been the same player since he tore his hamstrings last season in the playoffs as a member of the Brooklyn Nets. He has been a shell of himself since then. And, uh, you know, are we sure he's going to have a good game tonight? I think I can't. It, it, even, even with his poor playoff performance in the past, I would say if this was back in the day, Houston James Harden, I'm like, nah. Harden will get a good game in. So I, I, I would I would bet on that. Now, I got nothing, man. So I, I'm taking the Miami Heat tonight. If you can find an alternate spread, tease it down a little bit, you know, make yourself a little more safe, do that. If you're on six, feel a little more comfortable. In terms of single game props, uh, look for Tyler Hero, uh, two plus threes. Look for Bam at a bio, two plus blocks. Um, if on, on the Philly side, I do think George Niang will hit more than a shot so if you got a, a three well, at least one three for jordan yang i think he'll make a shot tonight <laughs> but uh but yeah this is this is just tough sledding for philly tonight i'm with you um just because the way miami looked i think they'll be better jimmy butler probably sh- won't shoot as bad again in this it's contest yeah. um uh you know what w- i'd have to see that but i might be inclined to go down a little bit with the spread here i like any spreads pretty much involving bam Bam had a good game, was a 24-point, I think 12-rebound, mm-hmm. double-double mm-hmm. in game one. I think anything you can get with him is really good. I expect him to cook in this series, especially, like Javad said, if they're going to be out here putting DJ DeAndre Jordan. And, like, look, Doc, if you, I, I understand it's your guy. You coach him in the Clippers and all that. I, I, get, I get all that. But we all know what he's been the last four years, and the last two years really bad. Hasn't been able to stay on the roster. The only reason he's on this roster is because you guys lost a really good backup in R.J. Drummond in trading him to the Nets. Uh, DeAndre Jordan is not going to have any answers for Bam Adebayo. This is making Brian smile somewhere. <laughs> but Dex, you know what else is yes. here? 
this is also Doc being Doc and defiant. Like, you think Doc enjoys being asked basketball questions about coaching maneuvers by these dudes in the media? Like, you don't know what he's talking about? And a guy like Doc who, listen, he hasn't been great lately, but throughout his career has been a good coach. He's been a, he's won a championship. Yeah. When you've already accomplished that much in your career, you're just going to double down in your position. So Doc is double. You're not going to budge him off this. And it's I'm not, unfortunate. I'm not even mad at him for that, really. And I'm not. I actually wasn't mad when he defended himself. What was it last week for when people came to his playoff mm-hmm. coaching record and blowing 3-1 leads? I actually didn't, wasn't even mad at that. I was glad he defended. If you're not going to defend yourself, who else is? There you go. But I also understand and realize that he's not going to throw DeAndre Jordan under the bus. I think deep down inside, you give Doc Rivers a true serum. You don't want to play DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> he knows this, right? So it's more about, like, it's funny. You're asking him the question about playing DeAndre Jordan. It's like, what else is he going to do? He's got to play him. He's got to play Paul Reed. He's got to do that. No shade to those guys. But go small. What, like, like go in the second quarter, because that was, the, that was their best quarter when they went small. Now, can I, you keep that up for 48 minutes? I don't know, but it gives you a better shot, in my opinion. And so – We'll see. But because of that, because we're going to get DJ minutes out there, please take any band props you can get. Double-double for band if you can. It's a nice one. I like Gerard's one about two-plus blocks. I wish I did that with Triple J last night. I did not. I think those are, are really good. I also like Tyler, Tyler Hero to come out good in this game. He should be a little bit more pumped up. Just one six-man of the year award. See if he wants to come up in front of the crowd in South Beach and do his thing. I can see that. But give me the, give me the heat here. I see the Sixers down 2-0. Going back to Philly, I'm headed to Philly tomorrow, and Ooh. I feel like when I see some friends uh, down there, they're not going to be too thrilled. You, you, you going for you going for Game Three? You're going to be there? For six no, no, no. I'm uh, actually going for Mets Phillies okay, uh, okay. game tomorrow night. All I'll right. be down there, at Citizens Van Park, to check that out. Uh, see some of my homies from Pitt uh, that live in Philly, so we're going to see that. But they are big Sixers fans, and uh, I don't think they're going to be too thrilled about what they've seen with James Hardy. And to that point, I'm with you. And Coach Thorpe said this. I've been working on some videos with Coach Thorpe for True Hoop uh, in the Coach Speak series. And Coach Thorpe had a really good video he did last week saying that, look, James Harden can still put on the performance that we saw in game six against the Raptors from time to time. But can you get that out of him every time, as Gerard said? And in order for the Sixers to win, this is even with Joel Embiid. And I agree with Coach Thorpe on this. You're going to have to get this out of him five out of seven games in a series. That's that's what it's going to take. And if you've been watching all year, and our man Jamal Murphy has been saying this all year, he's looked terrible. He has not looked good. He's looked like he's lost a step, and now he can't get it done in the playoffs. And this is a question for another day, and I'm sure Gerard and I will get into this with some nuance. (laughs) Yeah, more. you got some decisions to make. Are are, Are you going to use your head? Or your heart is love going to truly be blind, or is it not? <laughs> we are going to see because that ex- that extension or <clears throat> giving some more money. <clears throat> Woo! I, I don't know about that. Yikes! All right, second game of the night: Dallas Mavericks. They're down one nothing to the Phoenix Suns. Suns six and a half point favorites in this one. Uh, Gerard, is there any reason I should pick Dallas and take that plus six and a half? Dallas in the points. I think Dallas has a chance to keep it a little close. I still think Philly, uh, Phoenix wins the game and goes up 2-0. I just look, Phoenix has too many ways to beat you offensively, and Dallas doesn't. Right? Like Dallas is either Luka's going to get into the teeth of the defense and guys are going to hit shots, or Luka's just going to do it, like this thing. Right? Whereas Phoenix has a little more, a lot more variety to their offense, a lot more optionality than than, than the Mavericks do. And I also like as good as the Dallas Mavericks defense is, and they clamped up and played a little bit better. 
towards the end of that game. Uh, actually, second half and towards the end of that game. Again, I like Phoenix's versatility on defense better. The regular season track record has to matter. Phoenix is number three in adjusted offensive rating, number three in adjusted defensive rating all season long. They're a machine. They know how to execute down the stretch. And again, I think that that New Orleans Pelicans series kind of sharpened them a bit, got them ready for this, this challenge they're facing in, in, in the Dallas Mavericks. Like they go up 2-0. If you want to stay away from the point spread, I, I, I'm with you there. Look with Devin Booker. I think they have a better game tonight. I think he shoots a little bit better. So anything with Devin Booker, 25-plus, I'm looking there. Um, you know, Luka Doncic is always on triple-double watch, so be mindful of that. Chris Paul, 10-plus assists. Um, so look at Chris Paul, 20-plus points. I can turn him into a score. Um, and then on the other side, Maxi Kleber had a lot of threes last night. Uh, can he keep that up? Yeah. Look for anything with him hitting threes. Um, and Dorian Finney-Smith. Yeah, I look out for those. I'm with you here, too. Um, I think the Suns go up 2 nothing. Now, what's interesting to me is does Phoenix really keep the same defensive strategy that they had for most of this game, right? Phoenix is so good. They did an excellent job to me in game one. And honestly, throughout the season, we've seen this the past two postseasons. They're so good at staying at home on the shooters, particularly on a team like Dallas, where their offense is one guy. And Dallas can't win. Now, I do think Jalen Brunson plays a little better in this game. So look for some props on him, depending on high how high the point is. If you get something around 17, 18, maybe him going over, I like that there. Keep an eye on that. Um, but look, if the Suns stick to the strategy where they're like, we'll let Doncic cook, but we ain't gonna let these other guys do anything, then I think that's advantage Suns. That also helps them close the games out. Luke is gonna get his points. He's got to. And they're gonna run a lot of high pick and rolls. They're gonna run a lot of Spain pick and roll action. You see them do that. But mm-hmm. this I don't know if that's a recipe for success for them to win. Now, I do think Luke is good enough to get him a win in one of these games, maybe two of these games, because he's that good. But that's also going to mean other guys going to have to step up, like Dinwiddie, yeah. like Brunson. We're going to have to see that. But at home, I think the Suns are just too tough. I'm fine with this spread. It's a point higher than it was the other night mm. for game one. We saw Dallas's defense look better down the stretch. But this is me. This is you about you saying, do I believe in the Suns' defense? Or am I banking on Dallas's role players to play a lot better? I think they'll play better, but not a lot better enough to get it done on the road. I might even bump this down a couple of points if I really mm-hmm. thought about it, maybe get a minus four and a half here. Because I still I do think Dallas is going to fight. I just want to yeah, be clear sure. on that. I do think Dallas is going to fight here. They're not going to roll over, and Luca will not allow it. And I did like some of the things I saw from them at the end. But ultimately, you got to give me the Suns here uh, to win. But I like player props involving Luca. One underrated, I think, aspect of a prop with Luca that people should watch out for, particularly because they've been going a little bit smaller, is look at Luca in terms of rebounds, even 10 plus rebounds. He's been grabbing those mm-hmm. the last couple of games, going back to the Utah series. That's a series that even has Rudy Gobert on the floor, and he's been grabbing boards. He's their best rebounder. So that might be a nice way to grab some, some dollars there. Look at Luca, anything over nine, 10 boards might be a good one there. But give me, uh, give me the Suns there. To go, so it looks like we're going with the favorites tonight. Yeah, man, Chalks, mm-hmm. Heated Suns. Uh, I think I think take this, and uh, we we will see. We will also see if uh, these are teams you can watch. At least the Suns and the Heat, where there's versatility in their mm-hmm. depth, there's versatility in the coaching yep. among that playoff rotation. You'll definitely see that there. Well, that does it for this edition of the NBA Exchange. Wednesday, we'll be back on Friday. I'll be in a good mood, too, after we get back from Philly. Hopefully, if the Nets do what they're supposed mm-hmm. to do down there. Nets playing well. Nets playing well. 18 wins. Uh, 
uh, tied for the most in baseball with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. So that, mm-hmm. that's that's interesting, too. As we said at the top of the show, Liverpool is in the Champions League <laughs> final. End of the month, we'll be going to Paris, and we'll be celebrating <laughs> after we beat one of these other teams. Uh, there, we'll be doing that, and hopefully you wrap up the EPL. Your man, your, your man Mo Salah said he wants Real Madrid in the, in the, in the, in the Champions League final. I, I, look. We're like the Grizzlies. We going up the chimney. We ain't ducking no smoke. All the smoke. We ain't ducking no smoke. We ain't ducking nobody. Man City, Real Madrid, whoever you bring on, we're here for you. You know what I'm saying? I like it. Now, if only only Gerard, other teams that I happen to root for could bring me this much joy. I mean. You know what I'm saying? Just even for a small period of time. I mean. Just saying. Yeah. It it ain't going to be the Knicks. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) It ain't going to be them. Look, I already got off that Jets narcotic, so uh, you might you might have to get off that Knicks narcotic too, man. <laughs> I might listen. I'm just saying I've seen the benefit into your your aunt. I've seen the benefit in how changing teams sometimes can be better for your life and your health and your overall health. You just feel better. Yeah, man. A, we we won't feel good here on the NBA. <laughs> we definitely we definitely want that. He's Gerard Hector. I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace.